Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. And the title of the message today is Remembrance. Remembrance. Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed, um, two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Do you remember where you were ten years ago today? Do you remember where you heard the first news of the, the attacks about on, on, in New York on the towers? I was in the hospital... I was in, actually I was in a hospice room and I saw it on TV and uh, we were talking about that and going over it and then we heard that there was a plane crash in Shanksville and uh, so there was an emergency, we were put on alert and so everyone was going through the hospitals and getting all the gurneys and taking them to the emergency room and we had all these beds lined up and no one came. And we were waiting, but there were no survivors. And I think as many rescuers or maybe those who were um, in Shanksville that day and in New York and in Washington, one of our neighbors was our neighbor, um, what was his name? Mike Gallagher. Gallagher. He was in the Pentagon. And he was uh, there just a few... um, sections away from where the plane hit and was involved in the rescue. So we've all heard many stories and we've all heard a lot about, and if you've watched the television even yesterday, the the ceremony from Shanksville, there's a lot to what we do and what we remember. And we have this video that um, we have uh, purchased for today. And also it's kind of the focus of of our sermon this, this morning.
So to remember is to honor. To honor is to value. What we value shapes who we become. Whenever we think of our relationship with Jesus Christ, and we think of what we just read uh, of the individuals coming to the tomb and the tomb being empty, and the, the declaration was they were to remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Remember what his word says to us. God urges us to remember. He re remember the sacrifices that were made on behalf of others, the freedom gained and the promises kept. These all relate to not only what happened 9-11 10 years ago, but they, re they reflect on what has happened in our lives and written in the scripture 2,000 years ago. The faithfulness of God. Remembering draws purpose to our past by drawing wisdom and strength and resolve from our pain and our loss. On September 11th, this day, it draws national attention, international attention, to what we privately know and to what we value uh, in our life, and it lets us know that life is vulnerable. And we are vulnerable to events and to circumstances that are beyond our aware. Christians, as Christians, we are aware of God with us, as Christians, we are aware that God is for us, and we are aware of the strength that God gives to us each day. But in this world, we know that we are not secure. In this world, we recognize that we are vulnerable. In this world, we do not have some special elite status that keeps us in a bubble away from everything else. In the world, we are mortal, we are vulnerable, we are human. But at, and that at any moment, we could be removed from this world, this life as we know it, as the result of war or of weather or of a weak heart. But in this world, the scripture declares, we shall have tribulation, we shall have trials. But there is also in all of this circumstance, in all of this trial, in all of these things, there is something that comes to us. Jesus declares, and this comes back to what the disciples were told and the, the followers were told. Remember how he told you. Not only are they to remember what Jesus Christ said about his death, burial, and resurrection, but they were to remember his words and what his words meant to them. Jesus declares, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world with all of its vulnerabilities, its insecurities, and its, in, in its places of, and pitfalls. I have overcome these things. Be of good cheer. I have overcome. Now, we're going to say it. I have overcome. Think about it before you say it, because do we really believe that we are overcomers? Or, do we or do we, are we caught in this idea of vulnerability? And it is a... Being vulnerable is a hard place to be. Recognizing vulnerability in our life, that we are not protected from by some force field, you know, 
Star Wars or something like that, you know, some force field, that we are not protected from some force field that, um, that gives to us some elite status, but that we are vulnerable, but in our vulnerability, we can recognize that we are remembering God's word, that Jesus declares to us, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world that we being in him and he being in us, we are part of that victory, we are part of that conquering, that conqueror, we are part of that whole scenario of overcoming. So whenever we say, I have overcome, we are saying that in faith and we are saying it in agreement with who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. So are we ready to say, I have overcome? Yes, okay. Ready? One, two, three. I have overcome. Again, I have overcome. Well, what is it that you have overcome? What is it that we have overcome? What is it that place? Where is that place? What event is there that speaks to us of being vulnerable? What event, what circumstance, what place in our life speaks to us of vulnerability? Have we overcome? In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So as we declare, I have overcome, we are then reading the scriptures, allowing the word of God to speak truth into our lives. In the place of vulnerability, in a world where things change, we are saying that we are more than a conqueror through Christ who gives us strength. Hebrews 13, so we may boldly say, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Remember God's word. Remembering. Remembering strengthens community. <laughs> Remembering strengthens community. We are a community of believers. We are the body of Christ. Remembering strengthening community. Here and now, collectively, you and I bring strength to each other. Here and now, we bring strength to each other. Just by being here and sharing your presence and your place among one another, you are bringing strength to one another. Think of it this way. If you were sitting in a chair out in the middle of the desert and no one was there, would you feel isolated? <laughs> so you see that you're not in a desert. You're not out in a, some remote area. You are here. And even that in itself is a way of sharing and gaining uh, strength from one another. So last week we spoke in our communion service. What, is it, what does the, the scripture say to us? This do in remembrance of me. Remember, strengthens community, strengthens believers, that we are not alone in this world, that we are here collectively with one another. We are here collectively as the body of Christ. We are here with Christ, one with him and he with us. We discover what God does through us. We discover that our life is greater than just ourselves and our own little island of where we live. And it's, more, and it's greater than, than we could ever imagine because God is working through us. We are unified in our relationship with Him and with one another so that we may boldly say, boldly say, 
What does a boldly say? <laughs> What's a boldly say? <clears throat> well, I think that this is a good day. <laughs> what does boldly say? A bold statement is a declaration of purpose, a declaration of strength, a declaration of assurance, a declaration of belief. So when I boldly say, I am making a statement, and the scripture is telling us to boldly state this, that it is an affirmation of what is on the inside. I am affirming verbally what I believe. See, why is it so important to speak what we believe? Why is it so important to speak truth? Why, does it, why does it, is it different than just thinking it? Well, um, the illustration I, I, I use many, many times, I don't know if I've done this in church or not, but whenever we um, think, you have thoughts, you're remembering they're, they're kind of like this cloud, <laughs> all right? Is there substance to it? Yeah, there's, sub there's substance to clouds, but if you shoot an arrow into a cloud, it doesn't stick. Why? Because it's not that type of substance. Well, our thoughts are like clouds, and whenever we take that cloud and we speak it, it gives it substance, like rain falling from the clouds. That moisture was in the cloud, but yet you couldn't collect it in a cup. But when it began to rain, when it begins to rain, the substance of that cloud collects and forms droplets and it drops to earth. And what happens is when it's cold, it becomes... <laughs> becomes what? Snow. <laughs> uh, snow. And, it, you know, it, it collects. So, too, our thoughts... That's why it's important for us to come together and to discuss our faith. It's important for us to come together and, and read the scriptures and discuss those thoughts because it takes that which is in our, our minds and brings it out and verbalizes it. So the scripture is telling us that we, and whenever something is verbal and it, and it becomes something of substance, we're able to move it around. We're able to take it. But thoughts are kind of up there and they, they kind of are driven by the wind and tossed. But whenever they become verbal, when they become something that we are saying, it becomes concrete. It becomes more uh, adaptable and more applicable to our life and to what we say. So when the scripture is telling us to boldly state, it is telling us that we are to take the thoughts that we have, the thoughts and the understanding that we have of the scripture, and it's telling us to speak it. And whenever we speak it, it is giving it, it's giving it more of a concrete formation to our life and to what we intend and where we intend to go. So we boldly say, we, we, we've already stated what? What have we already stated? What was that thing I had you to do? I've overcome. You already forgot. Huh? You already forgot what I told you. I've overcome. I don't remember what I was saying. That. Did I say that? Check the person next to you. Did I say that? You did say it. I heard it. All right? You didn't say I didn't say it. I wasn't open my mouth. Not when I preached told me to say that. I wasn't saying anything. <laughs> so, I have overcome. Ready? 
I have overcome. All right, and we're also going to boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Again, the Lord is my helper. Again, the Lord is my helper. You see, you can't be an overcomer without a helper. It isn't a lone stranger. <laughs> We're not alone in this. That the Lord is my helper, the Lord is my strength, the Lord is my salvation. It is the Lord who gives me these things. So I want you to turn to your neighbor so they can hear you say this. The Lord is my helper. Okay, now you can remind them that they said that. <laughs> yeah. I heard you say that. Yeah, I heard you say that. What did you hear your neighbor say? So you heard them say that. Yeah. You, heard, you heard them say that. So we're going to hold you accountable to it. The most important event in history is not what happened 10 years ago. The most important event in history is not what happened 10 minutes ago. The most important event in our lives is what's happening now. <laughs> Why? Because now is determining your future. All of us have hindsight, and all of us hopefully have good hindsight, <laughs> although some people don't remember things very well. The most important event is what we are doing now. We are boldly proclaiming. You know, in this place of vulnerability, in this life of vulnerability, where weather, war, people, circumstances, we are boldly saying, I shall live and not die. We know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We know that Jesus declares, because I live, you shall live also. That we live in this understanding that we are safe in the hands of our Father. We are safe in God's hands that nothing shall separate us from God, neither life nor death nor principalities nor powers. So in all the circumstances of life, we live in a safe place, not a bubble not a bubble where some force field keeps us from all harm and danger. But we live in a place of safety in our Lord Jesus Christ that nothing can separate us. That this is the beginning, this moment of time is the beginning and not the end. That I am, I like this one in Deuteronomy. It says, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. That God is going to work through us. And he says, I will believe God's word that he will work in my life. So whenever we are boldly stating something, we're proclaiming a truth that we believe that God's word, application of God's word to our life, to our circumstances, to the place that we live. The place that we live. We have, been, we have lived too long beneath where we need to be. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to change locations or change um, 
Well, maybe we'll change social economical, social economic status. Don't know that. But the idea is that our life is going to change because of our relationship with Jesus Christ and the assurance that he gives us to live our life and to live it each day, remembering, remembering. This do in remembrance of me, Jesus said. When the disciples, when they showed up at the, at, at the tomb, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. Remember what Jesus said to you. To remember is to honor. To honor is to value. And what we value shapes who we become. <laughs> what we value shapes who we become. Do we value God's word? Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee? That I might not fail the course, get off course from where God wants me to be. John 14, 6, But these things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Jesus is preparing the disciples for his ascension. And he's telling them to remember. The, the disciples were told specifically to remember. Specifically to remember his word. So that when the time came, they would remember what he was telling them. That his word would give them, he's giving them his word in this moment of time for a future event that is going to happen. You know, the Bible tells us that we live in hope. In hope. And the word hope is not wishful thinking, you know, I hope the sun shines, I hope this happens, I hope that happens. The hope of Scripture is a certainty of an event that has not yet happened, but will happen. Like the blessed hope of Christ's return. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back. That's a certainty. We just, haven't, <clears throat> we just haven't reached that point in time. But we have his word here. And the scripture, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm giving you this word here and now so that when this event, when life events happen in the future, you will remember what I told you here. Now, in our lives, the most important moment right now in our life is right now. <laughs> and if right now is the most important moment in our life, what word is God giving us? What word of assurance, what word of comfort, what word of strength is God giving to us? And that word will be there for us in this moment, but it will also be something we are remembering from before or is placed there so that when the event happens in our future, we will remember. Remember. Remember does what? It shapes who we will become. Hmm. You see, to remember is to honor, to honor is to value. What we value shapes who we become. We boldly say what? The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. We boldly say the Lord is my helper. Because he will never leave us nor forsake us. Nothing can ever separate us from him. 
So when we feel alone, when we feel isolated, when we feel things are not working, we are to challenge those feelings with what we remember. We remember that the Lord is my helper. And if the Lord is my helper, he says here, I will not fear. Fear is a paralyzer. Fear blows things out of proportion. Fear retreats, steps back, runs away. But I will not fear. I will have faith. I will have the substance of God's word that speaks truth to my life. I will have the substance of of God's word that is a remembrance of what he told me 2,000 years ago, told his disciples and they wrote down, and his Holy Spirit in my life speaks that truth to me, and I now am in a place of safety even in the midst of trials. He gives me peace in the time of trouble. He gives me assurance in the time of insecurity. His word speaks truth to me. I am remembering. I'm remembering his word. Faith is the substance of God's word, declared promises to our life. It creates motion that is forward. It is forward thinking. God's faith, uh, and God's faith that he bestows upon us is forward thinking. God isn't caught up with your past. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> God isn't caught up in your past. He knows all the failures. You know, this is one of those things that, you know, sometimes I think these crazy thoughts, but God knows all the sins and all the failures I'm ever going to do in my life in the future. He comes back to this moment he still loves me. He knows all of my sins and mistakes and failures of the past that I haven't confessed, but I have confessed them, they're gone. But he could, you know, they could be remembered, but he doesn't use them against me. Because he is not looking at our, he's not looking for reasons to push us aside. He is looking with his grace and his mercy to bring us in, to change our life from the inside out. Faith is the substance. It keeps going. It keeps a correct perspective. Faith keeps a correct perspective. Faith advances. Faith steps forward. Why? So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? 9-11. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Point to somebody and said, you said that. <laughs> Didn't you say that? <laughs> Didn't you say that? That the Lord is my helper. <laughs> remember, remember, courage and character of men. I like this little, I found this, this clip, it says, Cripple him, and you have a Sir Walter Scott. Lock him in prison, and you have a John Bunyan, author of The Pilgrim's Progress. Bury him in the snows of Valley Forge, and you have George Washington. Raise him in abject poverty, and you have Abraham Lincoln. Strike him down with infantile paralysis, and you have Franklin D. Roosevelt. 
deafen him. And you have the genius composer, Beethoven. Have him born black in a society filled with racial discrimination and you have George Washington Carver and Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> and if that doesn't challenge you, it goes on to say, consider Benjamin Franklin. At 25, he found in America's first library. At 31, he started its first fire department. At 36, he designed a heating stove that we still use today. At 40, he became one of the first um, harnesses, harnessers of electricity. At 45, he founded the nation's first university. At 79, he invented bifocals. He was an economist. He was a philosopher. He was a diplomat. He was an inventor, an educator, a publisher, a linguist. He spoke and wrote five languages. And he had exactly two years of formal education. Remember Hebrews 11, by faith, by Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. By faith, Noah, he built an ark. By faith, Abraham left his home for a land that God would promise him. By faith, Sarah conceived in her old age. And it goes on to say that these individuals died not having received a promise, but having received that they, a word from God that caused them to remember what God had promised them, and they went off into the future. Remember the promises of God and the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin, that I might not miss the mark of my life. Remember. Remembrance provides perspective of what God has done on our behalf. Remember is to honor. To honor is to value, and what we value shapes who we become. I remember his word spoken to me. Remember what God has done through the prophets. Remember what God has done through the writers and the authors of the scripture. What God has done through the nation of Israel. What God has done through the, the apostles and the early church. Remember this moment. Remember this moment. Because this is the moment of change and of challenge for us. Remember what God is doing through us as we interact with one another, as we come together as a body of believers. Remember that you have a purpose and you have a reason for being here. You have a reason for living. And that reason is in remembering His Word and His Word speaks to your life. As we are unified, as we come together, as we pray, as we worship, we all have an effect on each other. Remembrance creates hope. Remembrance creates hope. Honor. Honoring God. His word gives us direction for our life and our future. God will bring us through this day. He will bring us through every day. God is faithful even in our darkest hours. God is always there. On flight 93, when the passengers realized there were four planes that were hijacked, three of them had crashed, two into the towers and one into the Pentagon. They knew it fell on them to do something. 
One man, while speaking with an operator, repeated the Lord's Prayer with her and with some of the passengers that were around him and declared the last words spoken on that recording. Let's roll. And they went to take over the plane. One of the grieving widows stated that she was was proud of what her husband did. But her grief is still with her. And she remembers her grief. And she says, her grief is like carrying a brick in your pocket. You may get used to it, but it's always there. And when people have sorrow and people have grief, it isn't something that just goes away. It is a trauma, it is an experience that has broken into our lives and robbed us, creating a sense of loss, creating a sense of hopelessness. And we carry it. We carry it with us. And there are people who have wheelbarrow loads of grief and of sorrow, of things that have been taken from them, robbed from their life. But you know what? For the Christian, we have something very different. We carry something that is much greater. We carry an empty cross. And the empty cross speaks to us of a risen Savior. And no matter how much grief, no matter how much sorrow, no matter how much pain, no matter how many bricks we can accumulate, there is an empty cross we carry with us. And it is greater than our greatest sorrow. It is greater than our greatest challenge. It is greater than our greatest despair and greater than our greatest sin. It is a resurrected Savior that speaks to our hearts and our lives And we remember what his word says to us. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That in the most difficult places in life and times, do not fear what man can do to you. Remember that I am with you. I am with you always. We don't carry a big cross. (laughs) Just like we don't carry bricks. But the bricks of our loss are very real. The bricks of 9-11 are carried by an entire nation. But there is an entire kingdom that carries the cross. And these individuals are Christian. And Christians throughout ages have laid down their lives for their belief. Christians throughout the ages have done the impossible because the one who hung upon the cross still speaks to our lives. We remember his word. And as the disciples, as they were told by the angel, remember how he told you. Remember what he told you. Remember his words. And his words speak life to us. They speak forgiveness to us. They speak hope to us. And we can never be the same because in this moment of time, 
he speaks to our heart. I love you. I forgive you. I give you hope in the midst of the storms. I don't create a bubble for you to live in, a force field. I create peace in the midst of storms. I create hope where there is no hope. I give light where there is darkness. I open the way where there is no way. I am God. And I love you. And I forgive you. Amen? Shall we stand? To remember is to honor. To honor is to value. And what we value shapes who we become. We value his word. We honor Jesus Christ. We honor what he has done for us. And we remember 9-11. And we remember those individuals in the plane. And just before they went to take over the plane. And some think they would have said that prayer somewhere prior to coming to this point. Somewhere in this area, over our skies, these individuals prayed and died. And they started with, Our Father, 